right. Man, I'm so excited to be back with you guys today. And uh, I want to say welcome, those of you that are watching online, those of you in the building, man, it's always an honor to be here with you guys. And uh, I'm just curious as to uh, what were some of your responses to that question? What was the best um, Halloween costume you ever worn? Anybody want to share? I don't even know what that is. That, that's kind of cool. Oh, oh, okay. I need to get cultured a bit more. Uh, anything else? Dumbo. Dumbo. All right, well, we have a few pictures of some of the, some um, Halloween costumes that we think are great. We got Jacqueline and Marlon. Oh, look at that crew. Pietro. Oh, Joe Exotic last year. Oh, that was it. Okay. Well, those are some uh, some fun Halloween costumes. And um, this year, Jess has got me doing something that, uh, if I'm honest with you, I have no idea what it is. We're, we're just going to do it. She's like, hey, this is from a really awesome scene in a movie. I don't want to give it away, uh, but you'll see us. I'm sure we'll post a picture about it. And uh, comment if you know about it, um, because when she told me, I was like, really, we're going to do this of all things? And she's like, yeah, we're going to do that. But hey, I'm so excited to be with you guys. I, I genuinely am. And I know I say that every single week, but, but genuinely, the fact that we get to meet every single week is special. And I really want us to lean in today because uh, I've been just praying and believing that God is going to do some amazing things tonight, but it requires us to lean in. It requires us to listen to what he has to say. And I believe every single one of us, no matter if it's our first time, we've been around here for a really long time. If we lean in, God is gonna speak to us in a different way. We're gonna have an experience with him like we've never had before. And I truly believe that we're gonna walk out of this space different than we came in today. And so today we're gonna continue in week three of our series called Church Plants. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking through, uh, been looking at the book of Ephesians and looking at what Paul says uh, and who God is to each and every single one of us. In week one, we talked about how when you and I get a revelation of who God is in our lives, when we see his character, when we see that he's for us and not against us, our view of him is going to change. Last week, we talked about how Jesus is for everyone. He didn't die just for Jews. He didn't die just for Gentiles, those that aren't Jewish. Jesus died for everybody so that we have the ability, we could say yes to being in relationship with him. And my hope is some of you at the end of service today would give your lives to Jesus. It's crazy to think that we're halfway through this series already. I hope you've been loving it as much as I have. And uh, really the goal of this series is for you and I to walk away loving the local church. And no matter what church you go to, the fact that we get to be a part of the move of God every single week is something special. And so my hope is that we would be hyped on church. The fact that we literally get to come every single week, I'm hoping we're barging through those doors, barging through the walls, because we cannot get to our seat fast enough because we're expecting for what God's gonna do. And uh, tonight, we're going to be back in the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're going to head back to Ephesus. And if you've been with us every single week, uh, I've been sharing really the context and painting the picture of where we find ourselves, because I know there's some people that haven't joined us all, all the weeks. So I really want to paint the picture. Paul, he's writing to a group of Christians that need encouragement. 
They're living in this huge city of Ephesus, which is really big on trade, which means that there's a whole lot of people that are coming with all sorts of different views, all sorts of different beliefs, and they're meeting right here in this central hub known as Ephesus. Ephesus is also uh, home to this really big pagan temple named after uh, this goddess named Diana. And I say this every single week, and I don't want you to tune me out because it's a really big deal. Because of this temple, um, Christians' lives are looking different. This temple was basically in charge of all the trade that's coming in and out of the city, the money and the banking that's coming out. All of the jobs are ran in this temple. And so if you're a follower of Jesus and the people that Paul is speaking to in this letter, they're not doing business with this temple. They're not doing business with a pagan temple, and so therefore they're struggling financially. And Paul is writing to a group of people that are struggling financially, but they're also being persecuted for how they're living their lives. And so these guys are dealing with a whole lot. And Paul is writing, he's like, guys, I want to encourage you, stay the course. You get to be a part of something really special with the church. And he's like, I know you're trying to thrive in this city, even though there's a whole lot of noise around you, but stay the course. Trust me, it's going to be worth it. And he's kind of rallying the troops. It reminds me of uh, years ago when I used to play football. I know you guys might be thinking, this dude really played football. I, in fact, did play football. I was a wide receiver and a defensive back. And I remember when I played football after, uh, in the, in the halftime, uh, I'm saying after every game, at halftime, our coach would either take us to the locker room, take us at, at some point of the field, and we would sit down and he would tell us the game plan of what we're gonna do in the third quarter, what we're gonna do in the fourth quarter. And sometimes this pep talk was really nice. He's like, boys, you're doing a good job, keep it up. Other times it wasn't so nice. And he's like, you guys are all awful at football. No, I'm just kidding. But, but the pep talk was different depending on how the game was going. But he was giving us instructions on what we need to do. And Paul right here is essentially giving these guys a pep talk. And it's interesting that the book that we're in, Ephesians, is actually one of Paul's most encouraging letters. When he's writing to Corinth and other churches that Paul writes to, he's usually not so nice. But right here in Ephesians, he's actually a really nice guy because he's trying to show the Christians what they need to look out for. He's like, this is how you live your life in the church. This is how you live your life outside of the church. It should be the same thing. A few months ago, uh, Jessica and I, we were on our way to hang out with Laura and Fred. Laura is our worship leader. Fred pretty much does everything here at this church. But yeah, Laura and Fred, amazing. They're some of our dearest friends in the entire world. And so Jess and I, we're like looking forward to meeting with them. We're looking forward to getting to hang out with them. And, and so we text them. We're like, hey, you guys are having us over. What do you want us to bring for food? And they're like, hey, uh, on your way over, why don't you stop at Monty's and get some food? Monty's is this burger spot in uh, downtown Riverside. And so Jess, she's all about efficiency. And so she ordered on the app or, or however online she ordered. And uh, I remember we were on our way there and guys, there is absolutely no parking in downtown Riverside. And we're like driving around. I don't ever, I don't spend a lot of time in downtown Riverside. And so we're driving around. We like pull into the parking structure. There is no parking at all. We pull onto some side streets. There's no parking at all. We're driving around for a few minutes. The food's getting cold because it told us it's ready. 
And I'm like, okay, the only parking spot's like four miles, sorry, four blocks away. And so we parked the car and um, I noticed that where we parked, there's like this parking meter. And I'm like, oh, great, dude. We don't carry any cash with us. We have no change with us. How are we gonna pay for this parking meter? But we need this food so we could go to their house. And so we're like literally in our car digging up, trying to look for change. Because do you guys have change in your car? Uh, some of you, there's a change shortage I hear. And uh, so we're in our car looking for change and we finally find like two quarters. And I'm like, yes, we got two quarters. And so I go to the parking meter and I put the two quarters in and what I realize is nothing changed. Like it started off red and normally when you put quarters in, it turns green saying you're good to park there. It tells you how long you have. This didn't do that. And it's still red. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? This thing just ate my money. Like what? And so I'm mad at this point. I'm frustrated. We still got to walk like four blocks to get the food. And so I start looking around at all the other, because there's other cars parked there. And I start looking around and I'm like, every other parking meter is the same thing. And so did these people all just risk getting their car towed or getting a ticket? Like, am I the only one? And then I look down about halfway down the parking, like the, the pole of the parking meter. And it said this, it said, no payment required after 5 p.m. And so I pull my phone out and I look and it says 507. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I could have saved two quarters. I could have saved 50 cents, but instead I used, I mean, this thing didn't even give me my money back. I know California, we need some money, but geez, taking my two quarters. And I ended up, we ended up getting our food and having a great time at their house. But I just remember going to that parking meter, putting in my money and getting nothing in return. And I think about that story and I think about the topic that we're gonna talk about today. And I want you to bear with me because it might be, uh, it might not make much sense to you, but I look at our world and I see a whole lot of people feeding disunity, but getting nothing but chaos in return. Just like I went over that day and I fed quarters into this parking meter, I think a whole lot of people in our culture, in our world, they're feeding disunity, if you, if you will, expecting to probably get different results, but we get nothing but chaos in return. And Paul is speaking to this church and he's trying to tell them, hey guys, I want you to know that God's best for you requires unity. And the truth is you and I, we don't have to look very far in our world to see how disunified we are, how divided we are. Off the top of my head, I just thought of a few examples. I think of uh, essential oils or no essential oils. Things like, do I use candles or do I not use candles? An iPhone? Or Android, we know it's iPhone every single day. Come on, somebody. How about this one? Let's get, uh, let's be, in, let's, let's dig into culture a little bit. Courtney and Travis Barker, Courtney and Scott. We got some Courtney and Scotts. We got vaccine, no vaccine. Chick-fil-A sandwiches, Popeye sandwiches. Oh, okay. And the reason I bring that up is because all of us in this room, we all have a different say. Some of us are like, yes, Courtney and Scott, they're the real deal. No, 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 it's Courtney and Travis Barker. Like we all have different opinions. We all have different views. 
The other day I was scrolling on Instagram and I, I found this TikTok. And um, I, I'm not one that's always on TikTok. So I like when people post on their Instagram, like a TikTok, cause it's just funny to look at. And I came across this TikTok and I wish I could find it for you guys today, but, but I tried really hard. I couldn't find it. But basically the whole premise of this TikTok is this guy is talking and he's like, hey, we live in a day and age where you could get articles, you could get information to back up any opinion you have. And all you need to do is do a quick Google search and it could back up your opinion. And like, um, for example, if I wanted to prove why drinking five cups of coffee every single day is good for me, I could literally Google that right now and find a whole bunch of articles that say, yes, you're right. Drinking five cups of coffee every single day is good for you. And as I'm talking right now, you could be doing the opposite and Googling why drinking five cups of coffee is bad for you. And I'm sure you could find different articles that support your opinion otherwise. And don't get me wrong. And here's what I don't want you to, what I want you to understand. It's not bad to have this information. I think we need to know. I think we need to do our research. But because this information suits either my opinion or your opinion, I feel like it's caused more division than anything else. Because we could get information to back whatever we wanna back, whenever we wanna back it up. But tonight, I got really good news. Because although we're divided on a whole lot, and like I said, we don't have to look very far. I believe Paul in Ephesians chapter four, he gives us a secret on how you and I each and every single one of us in this room, every single one of us online, we could stay united as a people. And I don't know about you, but I wanna look at a church, I wanna look at a world that is united. Because God's desire for each and every single one of us is that we would be united. We would be one in him. I think of John chapter 17. This is crazy to me, but in John chapter 17, Jesus is about to go to the cross. Jesus is about to die. He's literally about to give his life be beaten, bruised, and killed for you and for me. He's about to experience all of that turmoil, all of that trauma. He's about to experience it all. And in John chapter 17, Jesus prays to God the Father. And he says, Father, I pray that they would be one, meaning you and I, us believers would be one. I and you and you are in me, I pray that they would be one with each other. And that's pretty much my bad paraphrasing. But Jesus is praying for unity. I mean, he is about to die. He's about to go to the cross. I mean, in my opinion, wouldn't you pray for something else? But it was so crucial to him right before he's about to go that he prayed for unity, that we would be one just like him and God the Father are one. That is God's desire for you and I. It's not disunity, but it's unity. And so I'm really excited to preach on this very topic because I believe it's the heart of God for every single one of our lives. But before we go any further, I just really want us to pray and ask God to join us tonight. God, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I pray that you would have your way in this place. God, I pray that we would see your heart and how you call us to be unified. You call us to be one. And so I pray that you would speak to us tonight, God. Would you have your way in this place? And God, I pray that we would walk out of here different than when we came in tonight. 
And so I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the opportunity that we get to meet right here in this very building with the people that we love the most. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Tonight, we're gonna be in Ephesians chapter four. So open up your Bibles, your Bible apps to Ephesians chapter four, or it'll come up on the screen. And we're gonna catch Paul mid-thought. But here's what he says in Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 16. He says these words. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Notice he says gifts. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And if you were here last week, we looked at a section of scripture in Ephesians and we looked at five verses and Paul had a lot to say. And the same is true of tonight. We're looking at just five verses and Paul right here is preaching. There's a lot that he's trying to get across to this church. And I believe there's a lot that he's trying to teach you and I when it comes to this idea of being one, when it comes to this idea of unity. And the first thing I want us to understand, Paul wants us to understand is you have gifts and they're needed in the church. You have gifts and they're needed in the church. Look at verse 11. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity, notice that word, in our faith and knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. You see, Paul, he's writing to this church in Ephesians. Some people are new followers of Jesus. Some people have been walking with Jesus for a really long time. And Paul is explaining to this church that God gave gifts to the church. He gave pastors, he gave evangelists, he gave prophets. And each one of these callings, each one of these jobs, if you will, is unique. They're different, yet they have the same mission. They're meant to help people grow in their walks with Jesus. They're meant to tell people what the scriptures say. They're meant to help people when they have questions. And during this time, I find it so fascinating that the only way that you could hear scripture, the only way that you could be taught like we're reading out of Ephesians right now was by a teacher teaching you it. There was no printing. Printing wouldn't have happened for 1400 years after Paul wrote this. And so the only way people are hearing the word of God is by someone saying yes to one of these calls, someone saying yes to their giftings and teaching the people in the church. I mean, can you imagine for a second that that the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers, the preachers, or the pastors, could you imagine they they said no? They're like, oh God, I know you call me to do that, but don't you know I'm busy? I got another job. 
that, that makes more money. I got a family, I, I got school, I, I got a whole bunch of things going on. God, I, I can't do that. I'm a little too nervous. I can't really use my giftings in that way. What are people gonna think of me? I mean, can you imagine that's how they responded? God would have for sure used somebody else, but think about how many lives would have been hindered perhaps because scripture wasn't being told. And here's the thing that I want us to understand. Here is my cry for every single one of you. God has given each and every single one of us a gift. God has literally gifted each and every single one of, each and every single one of us a gift. And let me tell you this, there is not another you. You're unique. God has given you a gift that is meant for you. And when we say yes to Jesus, we get a gift. And my hope is that you would hear tonight that you have a gift and you would use your gift. And I hope that you walk away with some clarity knowing that the gift is meant to bring people closer to Jesus. The gift is meant to build up the body and bring this unity that we're talking about. Because in verse 12, Paul uses the word equip. It's really fascinating to me, this word equip, because this word that he uses would have been used in a political environment. And the idea behind it would be when opposing groups, when they come together and they can't agree on something, this word equip would be used and they would come together. And it means both groups finally coming together, agreeing with each other so that the government can move on with what they have to do. And that's what he means by equip. Meaning when we use our gifts, we're coming together and we're moving the church forward. And he's like, hey, I know you're not gonna agree on everything. I'm not expecting you to agree on every, to agree on every little thing in culture, every little thing politically. But, but here's what I want you to know, that the thing that should bring you together, the thing that should bring the church together is you saying yes and you th using the gifts that God has given you. And I don't know if you feel it, if you wanna believe it, but God has called each and every single one of you to make an impact in this world, to make an impact in this church, to make an impact wherever you go. And there are so many people in this room, so many people online that perhaps don't even know they have a gift and they're not even using it because they don't even know. And my hope is after this service tonight, you would understand that you have a gift. I think of people that are using their gifts like Cameron. Cameron, I don't know where you're at. Are you in the building? Cameron is right there. And I think of someone like Cameron. Cameron has gifts. He has multiple gifts. And he said, you know what? I want to use my gifts. I want to make people feel known. I want to make people feel special and loved and cared for. And so I'm going to use my gift every single Thursday. And I'm going to come here after work, despite how tired I am, and drive a golf cart in the parking lot so I could pick somebody up and bring them into this building. And he's making an impact in so many people's lives. I think of someone like a Jamie. Jamie is absolutely insane. She's one of the most gifted people I know. Whatever she touches, it is just so much better. And Jamie and Clarissa, they use their giftings every single week and they post on our social media account. 
And if you've ever seen our social media account, it looks really amazing. Why? Because they're using their gifts. But they're using their gifts not for aesthetic purposes only. They're using their gifts because they know that we're called to reach people for Jesus. And we're going to use our influence online. I think it's someone like a Kristen and Elijah. Those guys are absolutely insane. And those guys are saying, man, I wanna come alongside some of our life group leaders. I know what it's like to lead a life group. I know how difficult it can be, how discouraging it can be at times. I wanna come alongside the life group leaders and encourage them and come alongside them and equip them so that they can continue doing the work that God called them to do. And all of these people every single week are using their God-given gifts and it's not to glorify themselves, it's to build up the church, to bring unity into the church. And maybe you're hearing my voice and maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't really know my gift. My hope and my prayer is that today you would discover your gift. And we actually have a test that you can take and there's a couple steps that you're gonna follow and uh, I'm gonna read so I don't butcher it. But if you're taking notes and you wanna figure out what your spiritual gifts are, go to crossroadschurch.family. If you go to crossroadschurch.family, you hit, I'm ready to take my next step. Then you're gonna find a volunteer tab that, that comes up. And I don't know if you guys are trekking with me. And then once you hit that volunteer tab, you're gonna take a test and it literally will take you seven minutes maximum and you find your spiritual gifts and you see what, where God is leading you. It even suggests ministries and places that you could be serving in. But the church needs you to use your spiritual gift. I think about myself and I hated to talk. I literally would hold on to my mom's leg as a kid. I would literally have my siblings talk for me. And now here I am speaking every single week. And it took a lot, it took a lot of courage. It, it took a lot of training. But I love what I get to do and I love getting to use my gifts to bring honor and glory to Jesus, to build the church. And my hope is despite how nervous you are maybe, use your gifts, because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And so if you need help, if I didn't make much sense, come find me after service, come find someone on our team. I think of, Right now, there are 50 people that are looking to, lead, looking to be a part of a life group. They're looking to be in community with each other. And the crazy thing is, there's not enough life group leaders. So there's 50 people trying to be a part of a group, yet there's no group for them. And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I wanna step up, I wanna lead a life group. We wanna equip you to do that as well. But the church absolutely needs you. You see, the world is so divided, but the church should be the most united because we have one purpose. We worship one God. We have one mission to reach and save those that are lost, and we should all unite in knowing that. And so although we're looking at a world that's divided, let's be the most united. And the second part to Paul's secret is this, unity is a byproduct of maturity. Unity is a byproduct of maturity. Take a look at Ephesians chapter four, verse 13. It says this, Paul says these words, it says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son, that we, we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. 
We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever, they sound like truth. In our house, uh, Jessica and I, you guys know this, uh, we, we've been married for a year. And uh, we, yesterday, in a couple of days, we've been talking about, man, what are some staple meals in our house that we've cooked over the last year that if we were to have people over our house, we would put our name on it and say, this is gonna taste bomb. It's gonna be 10 out of 10 and we could actually put our name on it. And so yesterday we were sitting down and we're talking about, you know, what are some meals? And so we're coming up with some of the meals. I'm like, oh dude, the spare ribs you make are fire. Yes, we could have those sausage and peppers. Yes, that is a staple meal in our house. We could put that on the list. And we had a whole list. And let me preface the story by saying that I have a really weird allergy. I'm allergic to salt. I'm allergic to salt and uh, I'm allergic to like acidic things and I can't eat a lot of spice. And so it makes it really difficult for Jessica in order to cook. Yet she's still coming up with 10 out of 10 meals because she's an amazing wife. But, but, but there's a point to the story. So, so we're sitting there yesterday, we're coming up with, these, with this list of meals and we made steak last night. And we had steak, we had mashed potatoes and we had some broccoli. And I was proud, I cut the steak by the way. And we're eating there, we're eating, we're making this list and I'm eating it and I'm like, this is really good. And I look over at Jess and she takes a bite and guys, her face said like, this thing is not making the list. But like this thing is not very good because she ate it, she swallowed it and was like, there's no salt on this. There needs more salt. And then she's like, no, no, no there needs to be more seasoning on this. And wouldn't we all agree that steak without seasoning is not very great? Like, I can't eat it, and so, like, I therefore, you know, I, I, I'm with you. It's not very great. It doesn't taste very great. It, it's super bland. And I believe the same is true when it comes to our faith. If you're a follower of Jesus, we need to be seasoned in our walk with God, meaning we need to be mature and grow in him. I don't think anybody in this room wants to be known as someone that's immature, we wanna be known as someone that's mature, someone who's growing in their faith constantly, someone who has a conviction and sticks to their conviction. But let's be real. Some of us in this room, we've been coming to church for a really long time. We've been doing the whole church thing, but we haven't really grown in our faith very much. And my prayer is that here at CYA, this would be a place where you would grow every single week. You would experience God every single week because when you and I, when we're growing in our relationship with Jesus, when we're learning new things about him and his character and who he is, when we're doing that and we're not staying where we once were when we said yes to him, we're gonna become more united. Because here's what I know to be true. Spiritually mature people are focused on Jesus and only Jesus. They're not thinking about winning their side of the argument proving that their opinion is right and the other person's is wrong. They're not choosing offense. No, they're trying to look like Jesus in their actions. They're trying to talk like Jesus, live like Jesus because they're constantly growing and trying to be more and more like him. And God will use trials, he'll use hardships, he'll use his word, the scripture to grow us and to mature us. 
And maybe you're here today and you're really assessing, man, I don't really know where I'm at when it comes to my faith. Maybe you're at the same place you were a year ago. Can I encourage you to give yourself some grace? We're on a journey together, no one has arrived, but we need to continue growing and looking more and more like Jesus. Because I don't wanna say yes to Jesus 15 years ago, and then 15 years later, I'm the same way. I'm doing the same things. I'm acting the same way. I'm speaking the same. No, I wanna see a little bit of progress. I wanna see some growth. And if you're here tonight, my hope and my prayer is that you would grow. You would be on this journey with us. And so when you, embark, when you embrace a hardship, when you come along, when you experience a hardship, that's the word, I couldn't think of the word. Well, when you experience a hardship in life, you would embrace it. When God is, is giving you a word and you're reading scripture and you're convicted, you would perhaps change your behavior based on that conviction because we constantly wanna be growing and looking more and more like Jesus. And maybe you're in here today and you're like, man, I don't really know if I'm actually maturing. Steve, how do I know if I'm maturing? How do I know if I'm actually growing in my relationship with Jesus? Paul gives us an answer in verse 15. Lean in, don't miss this. Here's what he says. He says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You see, when you and I, when we're, when we're maturing in our relationship with Jesus, we're speaking the truth in love. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, how many of you have a hard time telling your friend that they have lettuce in their teeth? Or they got something on their face. If I'm honest with you, I have a really hard time. I'm like, ah, oh, what are they gonna think? Am I gonna offend them? Like, I don't know, it's like a, maybe it's a random person. You're like, they got some sour cream from the burrito they were eating at Chipotle. Do I tell them? But, but the most loving thing we can do is tell them, hey, you got some lettuce in your tooth before they take a picture and it looks like they don't have a tooth. Like that's the most loving thing we can do for people. And I believe we're living in a, in a world, we're living in a day and age where we don't wanna tell people the truth in love. We either speak more truth than love or we do more love than truth. And some of us, we're very loving and we have a hard time telling people the truth. Like we know that our boy, we know that our friends are sleeping with their boyfriend and with their girlfriend. And we know what's happening, but, but we kind of turn a blind eye to it. And we're like, I know that's happening in your life, but, but I don't wanna have that awkward conversation. I don't want them to get mad at me. I don't want them to be offended. But friends, the most loving thing we can do is tell them that that's not God's best for their life and that God's best is for them to get married and have that relationship with each other because that's what the scripture tells us. We need to speak the truth in love. And I'm not saying we do it in a mean way, let's do it in the kindest way, but we need to tell people the truth. Or when we have a friend that is like manifesting their next career move 
And they're like hoping and they're wishing into the universe all of these moves that are gonna be made. And they're like, I wish upon the universe that I get this job. I hope that I get this job. When they're manifesting, we could come up to them and say, hey, I hear that you're hoping, I hear that you're wishing, but can I tell you that you could actually have a personal relationship with Jesus where you don't have to hope, you don't have to wish, but you could go to him and he gives you the desires of your heart? And we could tell them that in the most loving and truthful way, or maybe some of us, we have friends in here, maybe not in here, maybe watching online or they go to another church that have a dependency on alcohol, to have a dependency on drugs. The most loving thing we can do is come alongside them, love them, tell them that drugs isn't the answer, alcohol isn't the answer. It might satisfy for a moment in time, but the second that high goes away, the second you're drunk, you're drunk? I don't even know what you call it. The second the alcohol is gone, I don't know. The second you're sober again, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm talking about. But, but the second those drugs, the second those, the alcohol goes away out of your system, they're back to square one. They're back to that hurt. They're back to that pain and nothing is truly gonna satisfy. And maybe you need to have a conversation with them and say, hey, I know you're going to drugs. I know you're going to alcohol, but truly that's not gonna satisfy the only person, the only thing that can satisfy is Jesus. No relationship, no drugs, no alcohol, nothing else other than Jesus is gonna fill that void in your heart. That's the most loving thing we can do. And we live in a culture that doesn't wanna offend people. And so we're letting people do whatever they wanna do whenever they wanna do it. And we're doing more of a disservice to them than anything. And so maybe that's an area you need to mature in. That's an area I need to mature in. We all do. But maybe for others of you, you need to mature in this area of hearing the truth in love. When a friend tells you, hey, you shouldn't be gossiping and talking bad about that person, instead of getting all defensive, maybe you should say, hey, thank you for calling me out in the most loving way. When someone calls us out for messing up, instead of burning the bridges, saying, I don't have any friends with that person anymore. Man, did you hear what they did? and we get all our friends against that person, let's hear the truth in love. Let's say, thank you for telling me that. I didn't realize that about myself. And we, as a church, we need to speak the truth in love. And I can't emphasize enough love because we have a whole lot of people speaking the truth, but no love. We have a whole lot of people speaking love, but no truth. They need to be together, truth, in love and let's be a generation. Let's be a people that say, man, I love my community so much. I love my peers so much. I love my family members so much that I'm gonna tell them the truth in love if it doesn't align with what God's best is for their lives. Remember, unity is a byproduct of maturity. And God's desire for each and every single one of us is that we would be one. We would use our gifts to come together and be one, and we would mature in Him so that we...